You're listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. again for joining us here at Grab Them by the Pod. I am Kevin along with Jesse as always and we are here tonight to talk to you about some Donald Trump, some politics and all things Washington. You know, it never fails. We have a nice rundown put together. We have exactly what we're going to say set up and then some late breaking news happens and it just throws us all into a tizzy. Uh, why should today be any different? Uh, we had the Washington Post report, I would say around five o'clock Eastern time, uh, that President Donald Trump revealed some highly classified information to the Russians. Uh, that's not good. I mean, it already looked bad after firing Comey and then meeting with the Russians last week. And now to find out that he may have given them some information that we haven't even given our allies, not good. What, were Boris and Natasha hanging out somewhere in the Oval Office? Moose and Squirrel, yes. Um, so where did this information come from? Uh, we got it from a partner through an intelligence sharing arrangement, and this info is considered so sensitive, that we've kept it from our allies. Uh, it's restricted within the U.S. government, and this partner of ours didn't give us permission to share it with anybody, let alone the Russians, and going forward, sadly, may not want to cooperate with us again. And this is an, an ally that is either inside or around or really close to ISIS. So this is a big deal. This isn't just... Oh, you know, it's another one of Trump's silly moments. This is national security that could end up getting somebody that's helping us killed, possibly. And this is exactly where, regardless of what your political beliefs were before the election, where someone should have been warned that Donald Trump, with his lack of experience in politics and his lack of ability to handle delicate situations in the political realm like this, this is where it's a detriment. Because now he has gone and, and given away state secrets, if you will, and, and from allies of ours that did not give us permission to do so. This is dangerous. This, this is a threat to the world order. Yeah, and that's not hyperbole, really. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of scary because the Post, by the way, they wouldn't uh, necessarily give out specifics on certain areas because they were warned by the people in the know that revealing them could jeopardize people, uh, intelligence capabilities, all that stuff. So they're being smart. They don't want to hurt people. Uh, and the information that was given out, it's a kind of information that it's not necessarily the smoking gun but it's how to make the gun, how to put the bullets together. Uh, it's something that the Russians could then use to uh, you know, backtrack and reverse engineer to find out the specifics on where this information came from. Uh, and, you know, they want to play nice with Trump. But we have different things that we want. We have different priorities. And the Russians aren't any slouches. It's not like they're, oh, you know, we, we can't read through the lines. No, Trump, uh, he wanted to brag, apparently, um, to Lavrov. You know, you know, we have the best intelligence, the, the terrific intelligence. Nobody has better intelligence than us. He wants to brag about these things. And he can't, we talked about this ourselves actually this weekend about how you could probably get Trump to admit anything just by getting him to boast or wanting him to beat you or be smarter than you. And then, boom, uh, a day or two later, that actually happens. He's the classic guy on the witness stand who all you have to do is bait him a little bit, get him talking about things that, you know, he feels important and, and he feels like he's showing off. And next thing you know, he's going to drop some piece of information that takes him down. And, you know, I don't want to be, you know, trying to say that that's going to happen because we don't know that yet. But this is the type of thing that could eventually bring the president down because he's going to give his show his hand 
on something that is too important that Congress is going to have to act. You this weekend actually uh, compared him to Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men, where you know, Tom Cruise is just kneeling and finally he's like, you're goddamn right I did, because you know, he just had to get it out. He knew he was right, because people like that, uh, people of Trump's ilk, they always are right, at least in their own fantasy world. So this all broke. Everybody went bonkers. By the way, since then, it's been confirmed. Reuters has had it confirmed by other people. CNN has had it confirmed. So it's not like the Washington Post is just doing this by themselves. H.R. Uh, McMaster came out, and we, we've praised him in the past. He came out reading off a cell phone, uh, something that obviously wasn't written uh, by him, was written for him, and said that everything was true. I mean, it was untrue, excuse me. Everything was untrue uh, in this, and it wasn't right. But if you listen to his actual wording, uh, he, he was being very specific in saying you know, they didn't name names or name sources, which the Washington Post never said they did. Uh, they said that, the, that Trump did everything else. Uh, and then the Secretary of State Rex Tillerson released almost the exact same thing through the White House, not the State Department, which is worth noting because the State Department didn't know that Tillerson was releasing this. And when the head of your organization doesn't keep your organization in the loop, I mean, that's it's just ridiculous. Yeah, and this, you know, it goes to something we're going to speak about a little bit later tonight and the idea of who are these presidential advisors and cabinet members loyal to? Are they loyal to their department? Are they loyal to the Constitution? Or are they loyal to the President of the United States? And releasing this statement, uh, Secretary of State Tillerson releasing a statement through the White House instead of his agency is of concern when his people at the State Department should have been kept abreast of what was going on. When people ask where these leaks came from, it sounds like people within the White House saw this go on and were like, holy crap, I can't believe this is actually going on. So they leaked it to uh, people who needed to know, to the FBI, to things like that, because you can't just hide this and hope everything's going to turn out okay. This could cause um, major uh, ramifications coming down the road. So since since this has all happened... We've had Republicans actually speaking out about it. Uh, Senator Bob Corker, uh, he said the White House is in a downward downward spiral and they need to get it under control, which, you know, it's, that's actually, I think, pretty heavy wording coming from a Republican and a, and a ranking member uh, in, a, in some committee, or not, not ranking member, he's a chairman of committees, sorry. Um, and here's the funniest thing that I read, and I said this to you uh, about half an hour ago or so, um, BuzzFeed's White House correspondent, Adrian Carasquillo, if I believe that's how you say his name, uh, reported that uh, Bannon, Spicer, and Huckabee Sanders walked into a cabinet room, like looked pissed off, and eventually had to start blasting the TV because reporters outside could hear the yelling coming from the room. So, I mean, I don't know if there's infighting, if they're pissed off at Trump, if someone's head is going to roll by the time this is all said and done, but the White House and the Secretary and the Department of uh, State, along with the Secretary of State, uh, nobody's happy. Everybody's pissed off and didn't necessarily see this coming because, uh, you know, we have, a tr- we have a president who uh, acts like a child most of the time. And they're the ones left to clean up the mess. Yeah, and that's, and that's sad. I mean, this it, it's amazing that we're surprised when this happens because uh, what we talked about last week, uh, we, we started recording right after the James Comey firing. So we got the immediate information out there. We didn't necessarily get to the fallout of any of this stuff. But there's a lot of parallels between how the Trump administration is handling this issue and how they ended up handling the fallout from the Comey firing. Uh, you know, Sean Spicer... <laughs> 
Oh, there's Sean has been he had a tough week with SNL and with just some of the reporters and the and the articles written. So after this all happened with Comey last week, uh, Spicer and company were scrambling, uh, trying to figure out what to do. The Washington Post had a fantastic breakdown uh, of the events as they happened. Uh, Spicer actually, when Comey was fired, wanted to send out an email to everybody, not deal with people in person, but that email wasn't going out, things were slow, so he basically popped his head out into the press office, shouted to anybody who could hear what had happened, and then locked the door and went MIA, Uh, and reporters were, you know, it makes sense, people didn't know what the hell was going on, Uh, so eventually Spicer, Kellyanne Conway, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders were seen outside the the White House, and Sanders and Conway talked for a little bit, but Spicer, this is where the funny stuff stuff comes from, Spicer was at first reportedly uh, hiding in the bushes and wouldn't come out, and then the Washington Post actually had to uh, retract that and offer correction, saying uh, the Post uh, says that Spicer huddled with his staff among bushes near the television set on the White House grounds, not in the bushes, as things were originally stated, so... Uh, either way, it's not a good look for Spicy. Spicer's been out of commission, so to speak, uh, for the last week or so when a lot of these big stories have been breaking. And now, yes, he's been serving his country as, in his duty as a commander in the United States Naval Reserve, uh, serving his duties over at the Pentagon. Uh, and it's important to note that, yes, he is doing something that supposedly was pre scheduled before any of this broke, but it makes you wonder whether or not this is signs uh, a sign of things to come down the road where he's going to be taking a backseat or potentially losing his job uh, to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who it's worth noting is the daughter of former Arkansas governor and former presidential candidate Mike Huckabee. There's also rumors, too, that he was going to possibly lose his job to someone from Fox News, actually. Uh, What's her name? Her name is uh, Guilfoyle. Uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle is one of the names being, I mean, I guess she maybe just wants, you know, pretty face uh, to do the job. Not that she's not qualified. I don't know. But how how far can Spicer take this without just cracking when you're constantly hearing that your job might be... uh, might be up for grabs. I mean, you can't you can't go along doing that and do a great job, can you? Well, I don't know. But if it should all come uh, to a head and he does lose his job, he could always fall back on one of his previous uh, employments, which was as the White House Easter Bunny during the famed White House <laughs> egg roll during the Bush administration. So maybe he can dust off the Easter Bunny suit. Spicer, I'm telling you, he has a career in front of the camera. I don't know if it's Fox News or whatever, but this dude loves being famous. I could just love seeing him get pissed off you know, weekly on, on something or other. Uh, so, you know, eventually he ended up coming out of the bushes or coming out from between the bushes. I uh, told people that they can't record him and they have to turn the lights off. And he spoke to him for a while. But, you know, that's that's old news. We, we learned some more information, by the way, leading up to this Comey firing that uh, <laughs> Trump, you know, Trump is a kind of guy that demands loyalty. And uh, Comey apparently uh, had dinner with, with uh, Trump. And while he was there... Uh, Trump asked him, you know, will you swear loyalty to me? And, you know, Comey obviously said no. And that seems like, you know, kind of a quid pro quo, you know, swear loyalty to me, to me and you'll keep your job. Because one of the things that they were talking about was Comey's desire to keep his job. Uh, so I, I don't think that's, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily illegal, I don't know. But it's definitely unethical to uh, tell somebody who's asking to keep their job to swear their loyalty to you above all else. I mean, he should be swearing, especially as director of FBI, swearing his loyalty to the United States and to the American people, not to a president. Absolutely, Jesse. But it's important to note that Donald Trump has a history of demanding loyalty 
out of his employees. Uh, according to a book written, co-authored by Donald Trump and Bill Zeneker, who is the president of the Learning Annex, uh, it was called Think Big, Make It Happen in Business and Life, written in 2009. Donald Trump said, and I quote, I try to hire people who are honest and loyal. I value loyalty very much. But as you said, government officials do not owe their loyalty to the president. They owe it to the people of the United States. So, you know, this is something to keep our eyes on here. Who are these employees, if you will, of the president who are really employees of the United States people? Who are they loyal to? And I don't want to poo-poo loyalty in general because you know, loyalty is a good trait to have. But when the stakes are this high and we have a president who, I, you know, I, I don't want to just, you know, say things to say things, but he seems uh, pretty egotistical and, and all about himself. So when you have someone uh, like that, you can't just be uh, loyal to them because they want you to be loyal. You have to look out for the, was it, 310 million people that live in America or whatever the number is, it's probably growing by the minute. I think it's closer to three and a quarter now, but yeah, absolutely. Yikes. Oh, so, you know, not to uh, not to be uh, stopped, uh, Trump went on Lester Holt for an interview Thursday, I think it was Thursday uh, evening, and you know, I'm not being biased, I swear, I'm not being biased, but watching this interview, it seems apparent to me that Trump was either lying or just uninformed. I mean, initially, Comey was fired due to his handling of the Hillary emails, uh, and it was at the suggestion of the DOJ, everybody from Trump to Pence to Huckabee Sanders was saying that. Then, uh, during this interview, Trump says that he was going to fire Comey, and it was his decision, and uh, his actual quote was, when I decided to do it, I just said to myself, you know, this Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made-up story. It's an excuse by the Democrats for having lost the election that they should have won. So he's kind of saying that he fired Comey because of the whole Russia thing. And that's one of the problems people were having for the whole you know, previous day or so. Well, you know, he says that, you know, it's a cover for the Democrats having lost an election they should have won. He says this a lot. Is that code for, you know, I didn't really want this job? And now I'm stuck with it, and I, you know, I'm doing the best that I can. So live with it. You know, I don't know. It, it, to me, you need to step up to the plate here, Mr. President. That you are the person in power, and you've got to start making some better decisions. But to your point about him being uninformed or or lying, it's not far fetched to think that he is so uninformed. I mean, he is not well read, so you can't be informed that well if you are not well read. And these are his words. He doesn't read. And according to a July 2016 Washington <laughs> Post article by Mark Fisher, Trump himself said, and I quote, I never have had time to read. I'm always busy doing a lot. You know, he has said that reading long documents is a waste of time, that he's too efficient. He doesn't need to read those long documents and he can make decisions based off of common sense. Well, common sense tells me that you don't make a decision to leak classified information to representatives of a foreign nation that our relationship at the moment is quite strained. That's not commonsensical if you ask me. Well, him not wanting to read actually is part of the problem he has in these situations. Like I was just listening today to, I think it was CNN, they were talking about how you know they'll give him like five, six, seven pages of bullet points of here's the message, stay on this, don't say this, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, can you just knock it down to one page for me? So they, you know, I guess, pick the things that are most important, put it on that one pager, and then he doesn't even still uh, follow that. So he can't even follow one page of bullet points. I mean, he can't even I, – I bet you he couldn't even read his entire outline for tax reform and still 
and still just, you know stay stay interested. It just it doesn't. He'd rather be yelling at the TVs on at Fox and Friends or Morning Joe or, or whatever. The reports we get that he just watches all of these new shows and just screams at them and uh, scares his uh, White House staff. And I know that he is not the only president who has preferred like shorter briefings than others. You know, we've had presidents of all different types who some have been good, some have been bad. But when we see the number of poor decisions keep mounting up out of this current administration and we know that he is not well read, not well informed, that when you put those two things together is is dangerous. Now, the reason why I said I thought he was lying or making things up, Lester Holt asked me again, so you said Trump that Comey told you at three different times that you were not under investigation. And he asked him, well, what were these three times? So, so he says, oh, that, that dinner I had with Comey. And then one phone call from Comey. Uh, and, and then another phone call from Comey. So it, it, he would have said, like, oh, yeah, and he called me a couple times, and, and he said it twice. No, no. And then he said, oh, you know, one phone call from Comey, one phone call to Comey. It just seemed like he was just making those up on the spot. Maybe I'm just hearing what I want to hear, but it just did not seem like somebody with confidence who was uh, retelling a story of that actually happened. Right. And, you know, he makes up stories on the spot the way that you or I would when we're, we're talking to a friend. Yeah. But as leader of the free world, can you really afford to do that? The answer is no. Mm-mm-mm. So things weren't going peachy for Trump. He's been having a rough week last week. And then he just makes it even worse, uh, where Friday morning he tweets out that James Comey better hope that there are no quote-unquote tapes of our conversations before he starts leaking to the press. I mean, talk about Nixonian. That, that had been there already, that comparison. But now he's implying that he records what's going on in the White House and in the Oval Office. And I guess that's not illegal, but just like with uh, Nixon, that could be your demise when that stuff comes out. I mean, I don't know what he's threatening Comey with, what he thinks Comey said, but I guarantee you, whatever Trump said on there is probably way worse than what Comey said. No, and you're right, Jesse. It's not illegal for the president to tape conversations uh, in the White House because in Washington, D.C. law, it only requires one party to consent to it for it to be legal. So as long as the president himself consents to the taping, then it's fine. And it's also important, again, to note that Democrats like JFK and LBJ also taped a lot of their conversations in the White House. But as you mentioned, Richard Nixon, who was notorious for taping every word that was spoken in the Oval Office, that's what brought him down because there was information on some of those tapes where he was implicating himself in the Watergate cover-up. And then, lo and behold, when it was time to listen to those tapes, the prosecution was listening to those tapes, they were erased minutes at a time where he raced. Hmm, wonder what could that, what that could have been. And so Donald Trump needs to be very careful here if he is, in fact, taping his conversations. These could be the smoking guns that take him down. Nixon also gave a badge to Elvis when he was wearing a cape. So there's a lot of things you can talk about with Nixon. Although, uh, going back to D.C. being a, a one-person consent state, I think from what I've heard, uh, I should have looked this up before this uh, podcast, so I apologize, that Florida, though, is a two-person consent tape, uh, state. So if he's taping people at Mar-a-Lago, then he can be in big trouble. Well, Jesse, according to Newsweek's Julia Glum in an article uh, recently, she says that at least three former employees told the Wall Street Journal that they saw him use a device to tape conversations in Trump mm-hmm. Tower. And according to 2016 BuzzFeed report, which says that four people... Four ex-workers at the Mar-a-Lago resort claim that he they saw him listening in on calls uh, in the early to mid-2000s. So perhaps he also is taping things down there in Florida, and therefore the law could get a little tricky. You know, whether you think he's a good president, a bad president, whatever, he is definitely paranoid. 
And you know, they'd say, yes, you're not paranoid if they really are out to get you. So I guess it depends what you're looking at. But he's a guy who thinks people, rightly or wrongly, are out to get him. And that sounds like somebody who's recording things and then going back and listening to them and trying to hold them against people. Uh, so, and by the way, I forget whether it's legal or not. He basically on Twitter threatened the former director of the FBI who he had just fired, who was heading an investigation looking into the Trump campaign, Trump administration's connections to Russia. So that threat right there is, again, extremely unethical, inappropriate, and I, I really just couldn't believe it happened. Me either. And, and this is exactly the type of thing that, you know, if impeachment charges are ever brought against the president, you know, this is the type of evidence that would speak directly to it. Given the chance, Comey, man, he could probably sing like a canary, and it'd be really interesting to see uh, what what comes of it. The, the kind of scary part is, so you'd think this is something that the White House would want to poo-poo, shush, uh, you know, say, no, no, just Trump being Trump. Uh, you know, I, I think Trump's uh, thing, uh, his tweet speaks for itself. He was very clear. It was in quotation something. No, no, no. When they asked Sean Spicer whether Trump was recording people, uh, his only response was, the president has nothing further to add on that. He said it like three times in a row. So they're not even addressing it, which is freaky. That's not a no. That's like a we're not discussing it. And, you know, if it wasn't true or if you wanted to spin it, it would be easy to say no. And they're not doing that. Perhaps this is reason for Spicer to lose his job. He's not emphatically denouncing these accusations. Um, could it be Spicer's head who rolls? And if that's the case, Jesse, you'll be very sad because you love his press briefings. Telling you, Sarah Huckabee Sanders just doesn't have uh, the the pep and the anger, at least not yet, that that Sean has. I, I will definitely miss it. So I can't keep track of a lot of the Republican senators uh, because they like like, like Lindsey Graham uh, said, you know, yeah, you know, Trump. It's within Trump's uh, purview to fire Comey, but then he's also saying turn over the tapes if they exist. So I I don't I never know with some of these guys, you know, whether I agree with them or they don't. I guess it's a case by case basis, but. Uh, there's a lot of senators out there who are saying, yeah, if there are if there are tapes, we want to hear them. And again, I don't think anything's going to be uh, turned over, whether they exist or not, anytime soon. Well, and the fact that senators such as Lindsey Graham, Mike Lee, and Chuck Schumer, this is bipartisan, and that's what we want, right? This is not about party here. It really shouldn't be about party. It's about a president and his ability to carry out the functions and the duties of the office. And if the things that he is doing are a danger to the national security of this nation, then it shouldn't be about Democrats and Republicans. Yeah, I was actually just listening to uh, Alan Dershowitz on CNN, and I have some issues with Alan Dershowitz, but uh, he's somebody that Trump actually spoke about a lot during the campaign, and he was just railing on Trump uh, specifically for uh, the uh, intelligence uh, leaking stuff uh, from earlier today. And one of the things he was stressing was, and he was talking to um, our, to our good friend, uh, uh, Richard Blumenthal, our senator, and just saying, you know, this, is, this should not be partisan. Forget anything else. This stuff should not be partisan. It should be, uh, you know, what's good for America, what's bad for America. And I just don't know if the Republicans or the Democrats have that bone in their body anymore where they can put politics aside and just handle things uh, for what's right for the country. A sad but true state of affairs in our current political system. And, and unfortunately, that's exactly what we need in times like these is to uh, drop the partisan facade and, and just get down to what is best for the country. So over the weekend, uh, they started naming some names on who uh, might replace uh, Comey as the head of the FBI. 
I, I think I, there were 12 names or so that I saw at the, at the last, uh, last article. And some of these are horrible. Some of them are okay. And some of them I think are, are good. And this is based on what I know of them off the top of my head or what I've read briefly. You know, I haven't vetted these people. I haven't done extensive research. Um, I've just you know, found a little information on who they are. Uh, so I'll start with the people who I think are absolute no's. And again, Kev, you may disagree with me. On, I, I don't think we'll disagree on the no's. We may disagree on some of the maybes, but you know, just feel free to disagree with me. We're not. We don't always have to be on the same side. To me, you know, Senator John Cornyn, no, too too partisan. Uh, we saw him on the uh, last uh, the last hearing with Sally Yates. Uh, how he was being. You know, these guys are still bringing up Hillary. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I would agree with you here, and, and he. Senator Cornyn, having been my senator the three years that I lived in the state of Texas, I, I would tell you, yes, he is too partisan. I do not want him as my FBI director. And I think, again, I think going back to Lindsey, I think it was Lindsey Graham um, who said that, you know, under normal circumstances, I think John Cornyn would be a great FBI director, but these aren't normal circumstances. So even, again, Republican senators are saying, you know, may, maybe he's not perfect right now. And I think Cornyn has said he doesn't doesn't want it, but you know, these doesn't matter what they say; it's what they do. Uh, the next person absolutely blows my mind. Representative Trey Gowdy. No, this dude is this dude is like Mister Benghazi here. You know, he, he would go in there and immediately shut down the Russian campaign and start trying to prosecute Hillary again. And again, this doesn't matter whether you find Hillary to be innocent, guilty, or whatever. We don't need partisanship, especially of that magnitude. At the uh, you know the head uh, head of the FBI right now, it's just ridiculous. Correct. Chances of impartiality are nil. Yeah. Um, some of the other people we have going here, Alice Fisher, she's the former attorney, uh, assistant attorney general. Uh, she worked for the criminal division of the DOJ, uh, though some of the problems with her background is that she allegedly participated in discussions about policies at Guantanamo Bay that uh, didn't necessarily go as uh, I think the public wanted. Uh, she served as deputy special counsel for the special committee that investigated Bill Clinton's Whitewater scandal. So, you know, she may be perfectly fine. I don't know enough about her. But when you're somebody who's been in, in, in Congress and investigated uh, someone from the other party, specifically a president, I would just as rather say, you know, let's get someone else maybe who hasn't done that in their background. <laughs> Certainly. Her credentials in the Department of Justice, you know, that would lend itself well to the FBI. But you're right. With having been investigating a member of the opposite party, you know, can we, you know, we, we don't want someone who is, is partisan here. And, and that maybe we cannot uh, be certain of. And to be honest, if, if they were like, this person is known as like, the most liberal person in the world, I would say no against that, too, I think. Uh, just we don't have any of those people because it's the Republican presidency. <laughs> right. And, and right. And I know I often come off because I am progressive. I am liberal. But I don't want that in a position which should be impartial. They're upholding the law. They're not upholding a party's version of the law. What's one of the things they said with Comey that, uh, yeah, you know, Democrats are pissed at him the way he handled things. Uh, but, you know, I, I think looking back now, I don't think he was doing it for a partisan reason. He was trying to do the best he could and be clear. And, and yeah, it screwed things up and maybe it was bad judgment call. But I don't think Comey ever did anything based on partisanship, which is what I think we need to see going forward. One of the other options is uh, Ray Kelly. He's the former New York City police commissioner. And yeah, you know, he has some good backgrounds. Uh, he created the first counterterrorism bureau and oversaw a drastic reduction in crime in New York City. But he also uh, came under fire for his aggressive police tactics, including programs that spied on Muslims and a dramatic, a dramatic spike in the use of st uh, stop and frisk, which, of course, uh, focused mostly on, uh, I would say, minorities or African-Americans. Right. And Ray Kelly, who kind of rose to fame in the post 9-11 New York City era, you know, understandably, maybe that's why he started to target Muslims more. Uh, but that could be held against him. 
as director of the FBI. J. Michael, why do people have their first initial being the you know, I would never go by my J. Parker, you know, whatever. I, my, I go by Jesse. I, I, I get nuts whenever I see people who do this. But anyways, J. Michael Luddig, uh, he's currently a general counsel for Boeing. Uh, he's a former judge in the Fourth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals and a DOG lawyer, but he's also known as the conservative legal powerhouse and someone who's known as that, again, someone I don't want in this position, especially at such an important time. Yeah, and I'm never really a fan of somebody who's coming out of private industry, big business, and moving directly into government role. And I, I understand he's has experience as a Fourth Circuit ju- uh, court judge and a Department of Justice lawyer, but he would be coming directly from you know big business. And I like it when my politics and business are a little bit separated. Larry Thompson, he's deputy. He was a deputy attorney general under George W. Bush. But he also allowed a Syrian-born Canadian citizen to be deported to Syria, where he was tortured. And then it turns out, oops, he was falsely named a terrorist. My bad. You know, again, that's I, I want to say anybody can make a mistake, but that's a bad mistake and not necessarily somebody I want running the FBI. Yeah, you really got to cross your T's and dot your lowercase J's <laughs> when you're going to make decisions like that. All right, so only a couple, in my opinion, knows. Uh, Henry Henry Hudson, he's a federal judge in Richmond, but he's also known for being the guy who struck down a centerpiece of Obama's the Obama administration's health care law in 2010. He's nicknamed Hang'em High Hair Henry. That's not a name you want. Hang'em High Henry uh, for his tough-on-crime stance. And he actually also sentenced Michael Vick uh, to two years in prison for dogfighting, something that I actually disagreed with. You know, I, I thought Michael Vick, what he did was wrong, but I think uh, he had the book thrown at him and that there are people who have done things to other humans that got less time than Michael Vick did for dogs. And of course, <laughs> he sailed down the river into what is now New York Harbor and, you know, had the river named after him. <laughs> yes, oh, yes. Wrong, wrong Henry Hudson? Oh, you know, it's uh, he'll live off that fame for as long as he can, even if it wasn't him. Okay. Uh, and so then the, the last person I have on my list for being knows is uh, Frances Townsend. Uh, he's currently national security, uh, or she's a woman, sorry. <laughs> she's currently a national security analyst for CBS News. Uh, she's former Homeland Security and counterterrorism advisor to George W. Bush and worked as a federal prosecutor under uh, Rudy Giuliani when he was a U.S. attorney. Again, nothing overly negative with their background. It just seems that she definitely has... A, a position one way or the other. So you know, she was almost a maybe for me, but I kept her as a no. Don't know enough about her to really... Uh... I don't think most people do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on, on to the maybes, on to the maybes. Uh, so this guy just barely made it from a, from a no to a maybe. Uh, former Representative Mike Rogers. Yes, he was a Republican member of Congress, uh, but he is a former FBI special agent, so we, I think he's qualified. And the problem I had with him, though, is also that he was uh, briefly advised the Trump's transition team. So if you were going to put somebody in there who was a former member of Congress, I guess I would rather be him over the other people, but he still would be at the bottom of my maybe list, I think. Yeah, yeah I don't like the fact that he was working with the Trump transition team. I feel like, again, the president would be expecting some sort of loyalty out of him. Yeah. So then we have Michael Garcia, former New York prosecutor. He served as an associate judge in the New York Court of Appeals uh, since early 2016 and served as the U.S. Attorney General in Manhattan from 05 to 08. I think, I wonder if he, he must have 
been the been the character that uh so you ever see the show Billions? There's a character who's uh similar to that. Anyways, total non sequitur, sorry about that. Um but he's previously held high level positions in uh commerce DOJ and homeland security. So again, um he has been uh you know in administrations before. So I, I don't see anything that shows that he has you know has been totally partisan one way or the other, but yeah, I just want to keep someone who's not partisan uh in that job and someone who's partisan out. Sure, I wouldn't rule him out at this point. And then my final maybe was uh, John Southers. He's former U.S. attorney and, and uh, Colorado attorney general. He's currently the mayor of Colorado Springs. And he is widely respected among uh, state law enforcement and many Colorado Democrats. So, you know, I, I put him under maybe, but, you know, he's pretty close to being under the yes pile. Yeah, you know, it's um, as a former U.S. attorney and attorney general in the state of Colorado, you know, he has some of that uh, key legal experience that would be necessary. So, you know, certainly, again, not knowing enough about him, I, I wouldn't be quick to strike him out at this point. It's not one of those names you look at and go, oh, God, no, like we did in the beginning of this. That's that's something to say. Okay, these final three people on the list, to me, are all people I would be fine with uh, as of now until, you know, the next leak story comes out showing some horrible story about them, which seems always to be the case with these guys. Oh, you know, uh, they've we, got these in their closet somewhere. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, we have current acting director Andrew McCabe. Uh, you know, he was named last year as FBI's deputy director, so he's been the number two for a year. Uh, he, so he's there for a reason. He joined the FBI 20 years ago, or more than 20 years ago, and has actually, in the last uh, week or so, sh- repeatedly shown willingness to break from the White House and their explanations and stuff, which is something I, you, you want to see. You want to see that he's not going to just go uh, with the White House lock and stock. Absolutely. You know, I respect him very much for this, to you know, put his neck on the line to speak the truth when the president gives a line of bull. That's what they're there for. We have Paul Abate, as I would say, Paul Abate, uh, senior uh, white official at the, at the FBI. Uh, he was FBI for more than 20 years, previously ran the FBI offices in Washington, which is one of the, our agency's largest, and in Detroit. So this guy seems like a relatively sh- straight shooter, um, unless someone else knows otherwise, let me know. <laughs> but I think he seems like a guy who'd necessarily be, you know, or would possibly be a good fit. You know, I like the idea of some of these people who have been working at the FBI, yes. you know, as as non-appointed officials, you know, people who actually uh, earn their, their jobs career. and it's their career because they've seen the inner workings and they are not tied to an administration. And it's how you get people to respect them, too. Uh, and if you listen to uh, Huckabee Sanders, you would think that everybody in the uh, FBI is happy that Comey's gone. Nobody liked him. But everybody else is. It's the opposite. Everybody did like Comey. So I think you need to have one of their own actually leading the show for them to truly respect them and to stop any leaking that might come out. True story. So final person, you made it through this entire list, Adam Lee. He's a special agent in charge of the FBI's Richmond office. He's a former section chief of the Public Corruption and Civil Rights Section and investigated some of the highest profile cases against government officials, which is great, and uh, civil rights violations in recent years. So again, this guy seems like a straight shooter who is going to go after elected officials if they did something wrong. Well, I can certainly see why he'd be the number one person on your list. I, I have to say that he's probably mine as well. The idea that he's willing to uh, seek out public corruption and put a stop to it is exactly what we need in our law enforcement agencies. Because as we're seeing with our current president, we cannot put it past them to try to pull the wool over our eyes. Mm -mm. So all this stuff is going on. We've just been talking about this for the last almost 40 minutes, 35 minutes. You'd think that, you know, maybe a special prosecutor uh, would be good just to handle this. 
But no, no, no. Democrats want it. Republicans do not want to say it's not needed. Uh, but if you look at a recent NBC News Wall Street Journal poll, uh, they asked Americans about this, and 78% of Americans who answered this, I think it was 800 people was the uh, total that they went through, uh, 78% of them uh, said that a special independent commission or prosecutor should handle this. And that's apparently growing from the last time they did this poll. Uh, one of the things I want to say that if you want to just, even if there's nothing wrong, if you're Republicans, if you're in the Trump administration and you think nothing bad has happened, why not for the sake of transparency, just have a special prosecutor to handle it, get it done with, and then it shuts up the other side. Right. In the words of disgraced former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn, if you ask for immunity, you must be guilty of something. So if you don't have anything to hide, then why not? I think we know why not. <laughs> oh, of All right. As we come to the uh, end of tonight's show, uh, one of the last things we want to talk about. Uh, so Trump uh, has just been talking a lot about the press, uh, the communications team, and, and the press briefings. One of the things he tweeted out last week was uh, that as a very active president with lots of things happening, it's not possible for my surrogates to stand at a podium with perfect accuracy. Maybe the best thing to do would be to cancel all future press briefings and hand out written responses for the sake of accuracy. You know, I know there's a lot going on in the White House. But to me, it just sounds like an excuse to tell half-truths and lies. Well, on behalf of uh, my friend, the librarian at the school where I teach, I'd have to ask, would he be citing his sources in those written press briefings? By the time he printed them, what next scandal would have come out already? It's, that's the biggest, you know, I've got to think of these trees. We can't waste uh, this paper. Uh, I, I actually loved, again, you pointed out th to me, I think it was Saturday night that uh, Trump suggested that he should give you know, biweekly pressers himself and cancel everything out. Uh, because he just doesn't like that people are just attacking Spicer and all the communications team, which uh, that would be both insane and insanely entertaining in a sad way, I think. Yeah, and I'm just waiting to see, you know, what's going to happen here. Is Spicy going to lose it? Is he going to lose his job? Are we going to be in for a Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, for the rest of the Trump presidency? Or or who knows what? Is Kimberly Guilfoyle, uh, formerly Kimberly Guilfoyle Newsom, that's how I remember her, when uh, 10 or 12 years ago when she was uh, had a TV show and she was still married to Gavin Newsom, the former mayor of San Francisco, who happens to be a very liberal Democrat. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think personally that Huckabee Sanders, she's big time now. She was parodied on Saturday Night Live on Saturday night. Uh, so she's, she's. I, I, they just had a, she, I feel bad for her though. They just had a shootout, a shootout, that's not the right way to say that. They just had a photo shoot um, of all of the uh, the election and, and political people and she didn't make the cuts so and she's too new, I guess. They, they even had uh, uh, Kate McKinnon playing both Kellyanne Conway and Jeff Sessions and they didn't give her, throw her a bone. But, you know, hopefully she'll get some, some more screen time uh, in, in, well, I guess there's only one Saturday left in the season, so maybe not. <laughs> We shall oh, well. see. Yeah, so so we don't know whether Spicer, Spicy is going to stick around, but there's also rumors of an even larger staff shakeup. Uh, six West Wing officials, that's six people, so it's not fake news, six people within the West Wing um, have told the New York Times that a larger shakeup is coming, that Priebus and Bannon could be on the chopping block. We've heard this before, so I don't know what to believe, uh, but Trump, as always, he's pissed off. He's looking to take it out on somebody, and yeah, it's not going to be Kushner because he's family. Uh, so one of the other people may just have to fall on the uh, sword. Anybody but Trump, right? Anybody but himself, he's, he's willing to throw under the bus. It, it's never his fault. What happened to the buck stops with me? You know, the buck stops here. Uh, that's a different president. Mm. So what do you have for us for Kevin's Corner tonight? Well, Jess, 
Through the developments of the past week or so, the firing of FBI Director James Comey, we've learned that the President of the United States demands loyalty of his employees. There's danger to our democracy if those sworn to uphold the law are beholden to the demands of the President rather than the Constitution they are sworn to defend. Credit must be given to James Comey for refusing to swear loyalty to the President instead of his responsibility to the laws of the United States. He should not have had to pay for these principles with his job, regardless of our views on his political leanings. We must hold true to the words of John Adams and that we are a government of laws, not of men. Well, that was very nice as always, Kevin. And to all of our wonderful listeners, yes, I'm talking to you. Thank you for listening again. I really do appreciate it. And make sure to go to our website, www.grabthembythepod.com. you find a link to our social media sites, to all of our different uh, iTunes accounts and uh, YouTube accounts, all that fun stuff. And then you'll find maybe some uh, wonderful information about Kevin and Jesse, your wonderful hosts. But until then, uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks so much, guys. Later. Later.